It's wild to think what's happening when you give your tax money to the government and they spend it on American media. It's, it's like hiring a contractor and they go and renovate your neighbor's house. None of this makes sense. The federal government spent more than $86 million on advertising during fiscal 22-23. 71% of that was with digital media, including nearly $14 million that went to social platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Just 14%, or $2.68 million, was radio ad time. Steve Jones, Senior Vice President of Brands and Content for Stingray Radio, returns to the podcast as Stingray and a coalition of 20 independent broadcasters join forces in an appeal for a greater share of the federal ad spend to go to local media. I'm Steve Jones. I'm the Senior Vice President of Brands and Content at Stingray Radio, based in Toronto. And we have stations, 100 of them, across the entirety of Canada. And since the uh, mid-1980s, I've been in the radio business. I I was living in Toronto in the early 80s as a you know, 10, 12-year-old kid listening to legendary top 40 stations like Chum and CFDR. And I immediately became hooked on on radio and being on the radio. And then my parents moved way up north to a town called Marathon in, in northern Ontario, partway between Sault Ste. Marie and Thunder Bay. And there was a little FM radio station there. And, and I harassed the owner, a man by the name of Spence Bell, uh, for months for a job. And he finally hired me as a weekend board op. And I managed to translate that into a weekend on-air gig. And eventually, for my last year of high school, I was going to school in the morning and doing afternoon drive and, um, and, and just kept going down the radio path after high school. Was on the air for a long time and then transitioned into management. And after a brief mid-career crisis uh, working in the United States and then in the Caribbean, I came back to Canada in 2007, which was then with NewCap based in Halifax and um, moved to Toronto in 2016. And in 2018, Stingray bought NewCap. And uh, that's where I am today, working for Stingray based in Toronto and overseeing content on our 100 or so radio stations. So the reason we're talking today is because the advertising landscape for radio and traditional media has drastically shifted do you want to talk about what that landscape looks like right now? Well, it's no secret that 15, 20 years ago, uh, the radio business was a license to print money and, and the riches were everywhere. It was hard to not be successful. And over the course of not a long period of time, digital has really stolen away a lot of money from traditional radio and from traditional TV and print. And uh, that was accelerated even more during the COVID crisis. So a, com a combination of, of an already declining revenue environment with an accelerated loss of listenership during COVID has put radio and other traditional media in a really, really difficult spot. And it's it's an entirely different business than it was even a few years ago. It's It's dramatically different. The revenue pool is much smaller and the expenses continue to be quite high. And we find ourselves now, radio, TV and print in this country, you know, facing a, uh, an almost crisis moment. And that, that has brought together a number of 
independent broadcasters in Canada with a, a plea to the government to change the course of how they spend their money in order to help keep Canadian media thriving into the future. So how did this conversation start between Stingray and this coalition of 20 independent broadcasters? Why is Stingray leading the charge here? Well, of the broadcasters involved, we're the largest uh, group involved. And, And these broadcasters are generally companies that specialize in radio, that don't have um, different verticals like mobile or you know large television networks, and that's no disrespect to those broadcasters who do. The group of, of broadcasters involved in this petition generally uh, are broadcasters who specialize in radio, and so Stingray, as one of the larger companies, was able to work with with other broadcasters to to galvanize around this idea that the government can help in in a major way to keep. Canadian media thriving. So let's talk about this federal advertising spending breakdown. During fiscal 2022-23, the federal government spent $86.09 million on advertising, 71% of that with digital media, 29% on traditional media, just 14% of that was spent with radio. That's about $2.68 million. So the breakdown for traditional media is 52% television, 29% out of home, 5% print. These numbers were a surprise to me because I hadn't looked at them in a while. Audience data from any source would tell you that that allocation is very heavily skewed in favor of digital. Yeah, it, it is. And the irony to that is that the Canadian government... Um, through the CRTC, legislates broadcast media, but doesn't legislate really any meaningful way, the digital space. And the digital space is dominated by large, very wealthy American companies like Google and Meta. And the Canadian government is spending a ton of money making Mark Zuckerberg wealthier while Canadian print, TV, and radio uh, suffers. And and we, we it doesn't seem like a stretch. It seems like a very common sense ask to, to have the federal government support Canadian media the way that Canadian media is expected to support the Canadian cultural mosaic through things like CCD and through things like Canadian content regulations and other ways that we as media outlets are expected and obligated and honored to be able to help our artistic communities and 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 our, our communities themselves um, be successful. It, it just seems like a very common sense request that the government do the same for those media outlets. So you're proposing a 70% allocation of government ad expenditures to local media with even distribution across radio, TV, and print. How did you arrive at that figure of 70%? Well, it, it, it's the reversal of really how things are currently going. You know, we estimate that 70% right now is being spent in foreign media. And we believe that that can be turned on its head, that 70% of of advertising from the government could be spent on Canadian-owned 
local radio, TV, print, and digital. And I am including digital in there. It, it, it's, it's part of our request because digital media is very important, but it doesn't have to be uh, American or foreign digital media. It can be Canadian. Uh, we're looking to support Canadian-owned businesses who serve Canadian communities. The radio groups are also recommending establishing a minimum 20% tax credit to motivate advertisers to spend with Canadian media. How does that differ from the current write-off rules with the CRA right now? Well, there's a bit of a loophole right now because while purchasing advertising in foreign media is not uh, a tax deduction, there is an exclusion on foreign digital media. So through that loophole, foreign digital media is sort of exempt from that. We would like to see that closed. We would like to see that that Canadian businesses are incentivized to support Canadian businesses. It Again, back to that, uh, that, that common sense, it just seems so obvious and so easy. It seems like a very non-intrusive, legislative-free way that doesn't require a ton of, of, of monitoring or follow-up for the government to use, you know, tax credits and incentives to support Canadian businesses. I question whether education at the media buying level is at play in a lot of spending across the board, not just government, but also agency. Media buyers who might be in Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver who really don't know the value of the penetration of local media in some of those smaller markets where people still really rely on, you know, local radio, TV, print to get local information. Yeah, it's so true that it, the smaller a community is, the more reliant they are on local media outlets. And we see that consistently. Like, we could put a syndicated program on in a major market and get very little resistance. But when you take away local programming in, in a smaller community, you really hear about it because people in those communities depend on those radio stations or those local TV stations or those print or digital outlets to um, communicate to them the important messages, weather, traffic, community things, urgent information. It, it it does fall back on in a lot of communities, our radio stations, and I speak ours as this group of independent broadcasters, our stations are, are in many cases the only electronic media left in the market. And a lot of these a lot of these communities lack a daily newspaper, at best, maybe have a weekly paper. So we need to be there for those communities. And and that's gotten increasingly more difficult over the years as the advertising revenues have come down and our expenses have not. We're faced with the challenge of maintaining services in markets where it's less and less profitable to do so. And in some cases, it's not profitable at all. And we continue to be obligated and honored to do it. But without some of these measures... There will be, if we do not take action like this, there will be fewer radio stations, fewer TV stations, and fewer print and digital outlets left in, in a few years. And, and that's not a threat. We're not looking to close radio stations. It's the last thing we want to do. There will be a, a time when that happens. And the smaller the company, the more susceptible they will be to that because they will not have the offsets. It's one thing to to have the offsets of a successful major market radio station to support the heavy lifting 
of providing a local service in a smaller market. But for some of these broadcasters, they only exist in those markets. And um, this is a this is an existential threat to their to their business. That's a good lead in to my next question. With Bell divesting 45 of its radio stations, that positions Stingray as the biggest radio group owner in the country with 101 stations. Mm-hmm. Is Stingray in a position where it would also look at divesting stations in some markets or are you still bullish on radio? We're bullish on radio and we we continue to look at uh, acquisitions and divestitures as they come about where they make business sense. We're not actively looking to divest of anything and we want to make a successful go of it where we have radio stations and we want to be there for years to come. There's no no mission to divest of, of anything, but it is getting increasingly difficult and we are going to face those challenges and, and we've got to take steps to, to make it um, easier for for radio stations, TV, print, and digital to to stick around for the long haul and serve our communities. Obviously, Stingray has evolved into a global multi-platform digital audio company. Do you have thoughts, Steve, on how radio needs to evolve to maintain a place in that, you know, ever-changing audio landscape? Well, the, the big challenge is that the one thing that could probably help us the most is closed for business right now in that we can't, you know, the CRTC and the, and, and the existing radio regulations are in place and they're not dealing with radio in, in big ways for two years. So we can't get any forward movement on, on some reduction in, in the difficult um, regulatory framework that we exist in, you know, the, whether it's CanCon or whether it's the, the ongoing debate over uh, content and, and and emerging artists and all the different things that are expected of radio stations. Uh, we exist in a heavily regulated environment that makes it very difficult when, when we're competing against global companies with absolutely no obligations to the Canadian cultural infrastructure, and they're eating away at our audience and our revenue, and uh, we can't get regulatory relief. So, so perhaps you know, asking the federal government to simply do what makes common sense and, and, and what feels right when it comes to uh, buying their own advertising and incentivizing others to buy advertising within the Canadian uh, media environment. Maybe that's the way to go until we can at least get some regulatory relief. I think that really has to be what happens next. Uh, we, we just, if you look at other jurisdictions, whether it's the UK or Australia or America, the different regulations in those environments make it Uh, I think, a lot easier for traditional local radio, TV, media to be successful. I've been struck over the past year at the vast difference in response to some of the challenges radio is facing in the U.S. versus Canada. Has radio been latent in advocating for itself on this side of the border? Uh, we probably have, but we're we're making the noise now that needs to be made. Perhaps we we were caught off guard by COVID and by by the declines in revenue that came with that. But in the position we're in now, we're united in the need for action on the regulatory front, and we're taking action in terms of this appeal to the government to to do what needs to be done. I'm curious as to whether you've received any meaningful response yet from Canadian heritage or finance on this effort. And and where does it go from here? 
Well, to my knowledge, we have not yet. Not that I've heard, but I'm sure it's coming. Uh, we've had great reaction from uh, listeners in, in our communities where this has been made public. Uh, we've had good reaction from, from our clients and, and our business partners. So I think where this goes next is, is hopefully Heritage takes note. Hopefully the, the government takes note in the budget process and is able to do something with this to make meaningful change. Uh, we hope that our listeners and our advertisers and our partners will speak to their MPs and lend their support to this idea and move this forward. Because uh, like I said earlier, it's just something that can be done so quickly and administered so easily with basically no burdens on anyone, including taxpayers. You know, it's not like this industry is asking for handouts right now. We were a business and we believe that we can be a viable and successful business without without going to the government and saying, you know, give us money. We're just saying create the framework that can allow us to be successful and do good work, support Canadian jobs in the media, support Canadian communities and the businesses in those communities. There's just no downside to this. Is there a thought you want to close on, Steve? We have a chance to make a real difference right now, and it's pretty rare that something like this comes along where it, such meaningful difference can be made with such little effort and such lack of negative impact on anyone or anything. And I really hope that we're able to make that happen. Thanks so much for joining us, Steve. A pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know? And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world, and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.